Man, it's just so incredible just to just take a moment where we just go, Jesus, I love you with all my heart and my soul. And, and then just, just to just take a moment just to really realize how huge and multifaceted is our God. And I just realized he's got so many different attributes. The, the attributes of, of God are just so incredibly incredible. It's just, uh, I think even as Quinn said, like he has, he doesn't have multiple personalities. I promise you that. He has <laughs> multiple outfits. But I, I think the same way our God has got just these facets. It's not multiple personality God. Like some people think, yes, he's a, but, it, but he has so many different facets to his nature. That I tell you what, when we just truly get a, a full understanding of who he is and, 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 and the magnificence and the wonder of him, it wrecks our lives forever. It wrecks our lives forever. But what's something I, I have realized just over the last while, just even as, as, I, as I spend time as a pastor getting to know people and just hanging out and having chats, and that I realize that sometimes we, we tend to hone in on, on, on one of God's character traits or just one of them, and sometimes it skews a little bit of our understanding of God. It skews how we see him, and we, and, and you know, we need almost, I don't want a better word, not a holistic, that sounds weird, eh? and we, we need a, a whole understanding of God and who he is, because if we just have one understanding of him and uh, one, you know, revelation of one part of his nature, I think that sometimes affects us and causes us to, to respond to him in a certain way, but um, but. And so as I was just mulling over this again, God, what are you saying? But what I did realize, and something that just the Lord laid on my heart, is I realized that many of us have a view of God that is quite distorted. Um, and the way that we see God today is shaped and fashioned by many, many things. And so this morning, I, I want to pray, yeah, I just do want to pray that God would just help us to see Him who for, for who he is and for who he really is. And that what it would do, it would help us in our walk with him, in our way we relate to him. Because that is really, you know, this thing about being a Christian, it's not a, we're not religious that we go through these rituals and we come to church and we go home, but it's a relationship. And the way we respond to Jesus or to God and understand him is, is th that relationship is, is often affected by Many things in our life, and we'll look at some of them now now, but the way we relate to him often has a bearing on the way we relate to one another and how we relate to the church and the bride of Christ. And so I, I, I often look at it and I go, if you just had a real revelation of Jesus and maybe a, a, a clearer revelation of Jesus, you, you, might, you might just be a little bit, uh, there might just be something a little bit different about you. Um, you know, many of us have, uh, some of us wear glasses. I look around the room, there's some of us that wear glasses. I actually used to wear glasses as a young boy. My eyes weren't that bad, but they were bad enough that I needed to wear glasses and bad enough that they really had a, a, an impact on my lifestyle. Um, I loved outdoors. I was a beach bum. I loved the bush. I loved being out there. And so I can't remember how old I was, but at some point I uh, I got contact lenses, and, and I wore contact lenses, and I wore them for a long time. I used to surf with them. I mean, it was crazy. I used to go surfing and like, get like, ducked by a wave, and I'd 
like find the, the, the contact lens folds in the eye. It's like, like now I'm trying to surf here, so I take it out, put it in my mouth, wait for a lull between sets, and then I try and pop it back in, in again. And the guys like were looking at me, what the heck are you doing? Stop fiddling with your eye. But those lenses used to help me see better. Like I could actually judge where the wave was going to break. And if it wasn't for those lenses, I'd be taking off with the wrong position. But then what happened a bit later in life, I went and worked in the game reserve. I was a game ranger for a couple of years, and I used to drive all day long in a Land Rover, every man's dream. They were brand new Land Rovers. They weren't like secondhand, like old things that needed oil changes the whole time or fixing the oil leak. But I drove in a Land Rover all day. But the Land Rovers that we had, I should have brought a photo, they, they literally had been modified that there was no windscreen, no... no um, roof in any way. So it was an open land rover. And what would happen in the springtime is the grass would grow very long. I mean, if you've ever been to the Kruger Park in spring, after those first rains, the grass just suddenly goes, boop, and the pollen on the grass, and it would hit the, the um, grill of the car and bump, bounce into my eye. So that pollen kept on just coming. And what actually happened is my eyes started to develop um, with my, what's the back part of my, no, the front part of my eyes, the retina, cornea the cornea of my eye started to become perforated so that, I, so that I actually I couldn't wear contact lenses anymore. So they were so bad that the doctor, like when I went to the optometrist, he put some drops in my eye and he looked through with a special thing and he said, yes, if you don't change something now, you're going to lose your eyesight. This is really bad. I mean, it was literally looking at a bra grid. <laughs> That's how perforated my cornea was. Fortunately, it healed. The body is amazing. It heals itself. And so um, I went, a bit later, I went and had LASIK surgery, and they corrected my eyes. I don't need glasses. I've actually got pretty good vision, uh, unless I have to read now. <laughs> so someone looked at my phone the other day and said to me, yes, your fonts are huge. I said, yep, that's right. Helps me read. <laughs> but what I realized is, is I, had, I had a lens issue, and the way, the way that my, I could see things was due to the lenses that I had in my eye. And, and I, needed corrective, I needed corrective surgery to fix my eyes so that I could see clearly. And, and without having to have this artificial lens popped in my eye so that I could see well. And so now, yeah, and so that, that's, that was great. But what I realized is so often we have different lenses that we, we view God. We have these lenses and the way these lenses, so for me, my, my lenses were skewed, might have been genetics. I don't know what it could be, maybe just, um, normally it is bad bad genetic um, mirroring or whatever they call it, um, that my eyes started to get bad. Um, my daughter also wears glasses. I don't know who she got the, the, the poor eyesight from. It might, maybe it's a combination of her mother and I. But she needs special glasses to help her see. And they actually, this amazing new technology that's recently come out because she has myopia. Thank you, Jesus. She has myopia which is, an, and, and it's just, it's amazing. Just the doctor said if she goes onto these lenses, it'll reduce the way, the, the, the damage to eyes. And so it's incredible what technology we have at our fingertips nowadays. And so, so we, we all have these lenses that we view God through. And I, and, and, and I realized, and I, when I was looking at it, I wanted to just explore that a little bit with you. So I better not talk too long, otherwise we, we're going to go on forever, because I did sometimes waffle. So I firstly wanted to have a look at what are the things that shape our view of God? What are the different lenses? And how do we develop these thickened lenses or these skiff lenses or maybe 
whatever it might be. I, I even had the picture. Some of us grew up in, at school with science. You know, when we take a torch and we shine a, a light through red paper or yellow, uh, that clear film, and you get a red light or a, white, a green light or a blue light. But when you shine them all through the same color, you'd get a white light. So what are the lenses? What are the different lenses and, and what, that we have and what have they how have they caused us to view God? So I want to look at that first. So I think one of the first things that I've realized what shapes our view of God is, is how we've been brought up, our parents. A lot of who we are today is the product of our parenting, our parents' parenting. And so that's a huge responsibility. I check the kids looking at their moms going, or like, look at it, yeah, I am, I am because of you, kind of thing, it's, or whatever. So uh, uh, we, we are a result of our parents' parenting, and our kids will be a result of how we parent them. So I love the fact when Cor and Grace got up, and then even last week when the guys got up, like making this declaration before us as a church saying, how I raised the, the, this child, I need help because my lens might be skewed. My lens might be skewed, or the way I do it might be heavy on this way, and I need a bit of help, and we need balancing. So a lot of the, thing, the, the way we view God, believe it or not, is how our parents have raised up. And so you might have been raised up in a family where your dad might have been abusive, and I've met many men who have had dads who have been incredibly abusive, alcoholics, sadly. just And, and so they grow up with this skewed understanding of God, of, of God. Or you might have grown up in a family where you got what you always wanted. You always got what you wanted. Like the moment it was like, eat, mom and dad would be there. Mom and dad were always, and that's, I mean, they were always there, always like coming behind you and just giving, making sure you didn't fall and making sure you didn't do something wrong. And so that will shape how you view God. And so that's, it's, your, it's your upbringing, it's your education in many ways, that shapes your view of God. The, what you're, the classroom that you're in, the church that you're in, the teaching, the theology that you get shapes your view of God. It, uh, your culture shapes your view of God. I mean, I, I've worked into the black culture, into Malawi, and a lot of their, the way they relate to God is based on their culture and what they've been taught and what they've been born into. Your experiences, good and bad, will shape the view you, how you see God. If you have a bad experience, especially in a church environment with leadership, it's going to skew your perception and how you see God. If you have a good experience, well, quite the opposite. And I've seen that time and time again when I meet guys coming into the church. I was in this church, and, and you watch them for a while, and, and you hear their story, and you see how they, they worship and, 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 they, and how they interact with the church. And, and when you get to know them, you suddenly see, man, there's been an incident that happened. They got hurt, or they got let down, or they, they had a false expectation. And so what it has done is it skewed their, their lens of how they see God. And and so we, we see it, and so there's so many different things that affect the way we see God. Uh, and there's, there, so not only th these things, but there's also the very, very obvious external factor would be the devil. The devil just, he will lie to you, and he will spin stories, and he will use all those past experiences and everything on top of how you were brought and everything to cause you to see and relate to God in a way that isn't true and isn't correct. And so 
my hope this morning, my prayer is that we would just see something, maybe even in our own lives, we'd start to recognize that we have a, 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 a bit of a distortion and, and trusting, and I'm going to trust this morning that God's going to cause those lenses to be honed and made perfect so we see God for who He is and what He does. Amen? Are you, are you on board? Who, who wants to see God properly? I, I, I love it. Come on. I want to see God properly. I don't want to have this imbalance. There are two hands. I love it. I've got two hands. I desperately, I, and that is my prayer as a pastor. I, my prayer for every single one of you that God has entrusted for me to lead is that you would have this incredible understanding and revelation of who God really is so that you can live in a way that is pleasing and acceptable to Him. And so, so what are the different uh, distortions, if I may uh, put, it, put it out there? I mean, let's, let's just have a look at that. So firstly, we, we have this distortion that God can never be pleased. That He's just this God that no matter what I do, He will never be happy with what I do. Always got to do something to please him. And sometimes that is symptomatic of how we were raised, that our parents were just never, we were never happy with it. Like it just, we constantly had to do things to gain their approval. And so that overflows into our relationship with God, the God of impossible expectations. It's like he's like this, he's out there, and no matter what I do, he'll never be happy with me. Maybe we see him as some emotionally distant God. Like he's out there, you know, it's like, we, we, he, he, he says he loves me, but I don't feel his love, you know, I don't feel his, his, his smile on my face. And that, again, could be as a result of how you might have been raised. And, and as I speak, I might be touching on some very, very tender things here. And so I, I, I realized you might walk away feeling a little bit like, oh. And so my prayer again is that as I touch on these things, that the Holy Spirit would come and touch and he would heal. And he would bring his, like there's that, the balm, the anointing oil, and the, just and touch those wounds. And, and it, that Bactroban or that, uh, what's that other one we've got? Banagen, like the stuff works amazingly. And that's really, in a sense, what I'm trusting, that as we share, and as, as these little, maybe there's been a plaster there for so long and it gets ripped off, the fresh air on that wound can cleanse and heal, and we can see. Maybe we see God as... The disinterested God, he's not really interested in me because every time I pray and ask him to do something, he doesn't answer my prayers. Like we, we, we develop this, uh, this lens, you know, it's like he, he never really, we, maybe we see him as the speed cop God. <laughs> he's sitting around every corner waiting to catch me from what, I, from what I'm doing wrong. Maybe that's our perception. Maybe we see him as the, the drinking buddy God. Like he's always just there to encourage and push me on and he's never going to, like, like, tell me about my sin, or maybe, like, I'm never, I'm just gonna, okay, you're good, always encouraging. Or maybe we see him as, as, the, as the, the abuse of God, because we might have been abused. I mean, many I've, guys believe that. They think God's only gonna talk to them when they're doing something wrong, and he's actually gonna, he's got a big stick, like that speed cop. He's just sitting there waiting with a big stick, and he's gonna whack you when you step out of line. Unreliable, he's disinterested. So there's many different areas, I believe. And I think even as I'm thinking, as I'm talking, maybe there's some things that are coming to your mind of other areas that you've known, maybe even in your own mind, like you have a view or you have a lens of, 
of, of God, and it's skewed. It's actually not who he really is. And so maybe you're like, I don't think I've got an issue. I think I see God totally. So maybe I'm going to highlight maybe a few symptoms that might just go, oh, well, maybe I do. So, let's, so maybe you struggle to be free from sin. Your ability to be free from sin is actually because you don't understand his grace, which is an... Which is one of, and so you, all you see God is like this, um, this some, like I said, you can never please him, so actually it puts you in bondage, and you can never be free from sin. And so that's, an, that's I believe, is a, is a symptom of a distorted view, a freedom to, a struggle to break free from sin, a struggle to live a life that's pure and holy. It's a symptom, you know, like maybe even you're bored with church, you're bored with things around you, that possibly is a symptom of your skewed lens because you actually don't have a true revelation of why we get together. It's the skewedness. It's just like you, like just a, like this attitude, this, um, oh, well, I'll be there when I feel like it doesn't really matter. No one's really going to miss me. No one will really notice if I'm not there. Like, I don't really bring that much to the table. And actually, because, again, like I said, the, the, relation, the vertical relationship actually exhibits sometimes in the horizontal relationships with those around us. So our inability to really understand and grasp who God is and what He's done for us affects our relationships with our brothers and sisters around us. And so our inability to relate to one another, our inability to socialize or to build intimate relationships with one another is because we've got this lens that actually we don't see God for who He really is and what He has for us. Does it make sense? It sounds like you, I hope, I, I hope I'm hitting a point, a mark here. Maybe you might have been sitting here, and this is another symptom, I think, is that you're cynical. You're quick to criticize and find error in the church, in the leadership, in those around us. You're very quick to find problems. And it's actually because you've got a skewed lens of how you see God. Because... Because you think that's how he is with you. And often we project. You know, we, 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 there's a self-projection that happens. When we have this, and this, that's how we are because that's how God made me. And that's how he is. So that's how I am. And so that's how it should be kind of thing. And so here's what it is. Suck it up, buttercup, and move on. Maybe out of that cynicism, there's a little bit of a lack of trust. An inability to submit to your leaders and those in authority. And often that comes out of a bad experience or a bad, uh, you know, just something that happened. And so it skews the lens so that when there is a correct authority put in place, you still struggle to submit to it and you're understanding it. And so again, it's actually rooted in an inability to trust God, a struggle to, to submit to His authority because you don't truly understand authority. And that's a whole preach for another day is understanding God's authority and that everything that is in authority is something that God has put in place. Even Jesus recognized that. When he was standing before Pilate, Pilate was about to crucify him, and he said, you know what, the only reason you can do what you're going to do is because God has given you authority to do that. Do you know that? In that moment, Jesus recognized, and he said to Pilate, you can only do, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, it's there in Scripture, I just can't think of exactly where it is because it's not in my notes. But in that moment, he said to Pilate, you can only do what you're about to do to me because God has given you authority to do it. That's quite crazy. And even so Jesus himself realized that authority. And so for us, that line of authority, that understanding authority is skewed because of, of whatever it might be. 
Maybe you're a little bit antagonistic or argumentative. You always think you know right, you know better. You've got the solution to the problem, actually, and they don't know what they're talking about. That could also be a skewed perception because it's really rooted in pride, thinking that you, are, you have the answer and that really people need to come to you for the, for the solutions. Like, and that could be because you have a skewed perception or understanding of God. Identity issues, those are, another, those are other symptoms. When people struggle with their identity, even in, I'm going to put it out there, even in sexuality, that, that, I believe that thing is rooted in a, in a skewed perception, and a skewed understanding of who God is and who he made you to be. Like people struggling with identity crises. It's, I mean, it's become the, the norm today. Like just even men like being emasculated by by, by, the, by, by the society around us and women, like it, the, this whole identity crisis that our world is facing, um, you know, even in terms, because they have a skewed perception of God. You know what I read this week is the Church of England. Now that's, um, that's quite high up kind of thing. Church of England themselves are right now debating and they're in this place of whether we give God gender neutral pronouns. The Church of England. So if, if that is the very leadership and the very fabric of us, of, of, of like those that went before us, I mean, that's, I think that's the Anglican Church as well. It's, 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 if their understanding of God is like, no, well, we can't call God him, he, but it must be it, they, them. Like the identity, we need to know whose we are. Know your identity, know, and, and that very thing, that's, that could be a symptom of your skewed perception because you don't understand whose you are and that you belong to him. Maybe even, and, and here's one as well, and I, this is, some of us might struggle with abandonment issues, like feeling alone and feeling left out to dry, no one loves you, no one cares for you, and that sometimes as well is rooted in a skewed lens and a skewed understanding of who God is. So I'm not going to clarify too much here because I think if I had to give a, an answer to every single one, like we could sit here for hours kind of thing. But what I, what I do realize is what I did want to sort of really get into, and, and, and I'm trusting that it's going to be a work of the Holy Spirit this morning, nothing really that I'm going to do, is that God would correct our skewed lenses and our distorted view. And, and, and I'm going to maybe just go through a few steps, and then we're going to go back into maybe it's just time of ministry and worship and, and really just going before God, and maybe we can see what God's going to do. But I think the first thing that needs to happen is we need to recognize it. We need to, and, and even I'm, I'm trusting that maybe even as, as I've spoken, some of us are going, yeah, that's me. I have a distorted image of God, a distorted understanding. I, I see God to be like, I see him as the giant cosmic vending machine in the sky, that whatever I'm going to ask for, he's going to give me. And that's because, and, and, or, or I see God as this, this teddy bear that I can just sit in his lap the whole time and play with and knock around, and, it's, and there's no reverence. And, and so I'm trusting that as we recognize it in our own lives, and, and even admit it, you know, half the, the I mean, I know the, the world system say half the journey to recovery and restoration is admitting that you have a problem. Admitting that there's a fault, and and I think, I think we're quite slow to do that. We're stubborn, eh? Do you think some of we're quite stubborn as a people? No, this is me. Like, just don't tell me how and why I shouldn't do it. I'm, a, you know, 
I'm, we, we're very stubborn people. And I think we need to, if we want to walk in freedom, and remember, that is the point of this. We sang that song about freedom. And we, we want to walk in freedom. We want to walk in a whole um, honest, truthful relationship with Jesus Christ and, so, or, and, and an understanding of who God is and what He did for us. And so we've got to admit it and say, God, well, yes, I've given my life to you. And this is maybe talking to many of the believers because it's not just those who don't know Him. It's even to some of us who've walked for a long time. I, I, need, a, I need a correction. I need to have that LASIK surgery in a sense. I want you to file off the edges, make me be able to see how can I come into that close relationship with you again. Well, recognize it. And then you've got to repent. Recognize and then repent. you actually got to own it and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've seen you this way. I've, I've, that's been my perception of you. Um, and, and I'm sorry. And then we need to pray for each other. Because <laughs> in repentance and praying, and, I mean, that's great. But I believe there's something of an accountability and walking with one another and actually sharing with each other. Going, Man, I've actually... I've had this skewed perception of God. I, this is how I see God. This is how I experience God. And I realize it's actually not the truth. I've listened to the lies of the devil. I've allowed the lies. I mean, how many times have we had to sit down with someone who's, who feels like a failure or like, who feels like they just can't do something? Actually, no, that's a lie. You can do it. I mean, come on, parents, you, you sit with your kids all the time, maybe, and they go, I can't do it, Daddy. I can't do it. No, you can they almost believe those lies. We believe our own lies. And so we need to repent, church. We need to repent. We need to go on our knees before Jesus and we need to find him. We need to, we need to allow him to come and be, G, be God in our lives. And, and the only way we can do that is through Jesus. And, and this is really the, I've, well, two scriptures. I didn't give you the other one. But the first scripture I have, and this is, this is what I want. It's John chapter 14, verse 9. Let's just put that one scripture on. It says, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still did not, do not know me, Philip? For whoever has seen the Father, sorry, for whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And so maybe you're even sitting here and you're going, there's like, like we're talking about God and he's out there. And so, so like this scripture says the only way that we could see the Father and understand the Father is through Jesus. And it was interesting, and some, one of the things that spurred me on in this was a conversation I had with someone a little while ago where they said they felt like there's a lot of emphasis on Jesus and not enough emphasis on God. Like there's, and, I was, and, I, and I walked away again, I'm like, like, what is God saying? And, and I actually, I found the scripture and I thought, man, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you read the whole of John chapter 14, and here's Jesus himself saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so our emphasis needs to be Jesus, actually, because he is the one that points us to God. He's the one that opens the way to God. And so when we pray, and, and so how do we do that? So we repent, yes, we recognize that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, the, that he came to do a complete work. And as we, we look at his life, and we look at him, and we study the, the, the Gospels, I mean, some of us go, I can't read the Bible. Well, please go read the Gospels. Go read about Jesus, because he will show you the way to God. Go look at his life. Go look at how he lived. Go look at the way he treated the children. Go look at the way he treated the sinner. Go look at the way he treated the rich and the wealthy. Go look at the way he treated the poor and the orphans, the prostitute. Go look at the way he did it, because that is the example we need to follow. And it's through looking at Jesus through that lens. And the only way you can do it is by 
going, I need to read the Bible. And then I need to see, and, and, then, and then you pray and you say, Jesus, I need a fresh revelation. It's not, it's not like some magical uh, enchantment that you can concoct and suddenly you're going to see. It's actually by disciplining yourself, firstly, in the Word of God, understanding and looking at Jesus. Because when you look at Jesus, you see God. When you, and so you think, is Jesus kind to, was God doesn't, is not kind to children. Well, he was, because Jesus was. Well, God doesn't expect uh, the, that of me. Well, you look at Jesus, and, and he, that's what he expected. So you, you, look, you, you read through the Sermon on the Mount, and you go, like, what was all that about? You know, does God expect us? Well, look, what, look, what did Jesus say? Jesus is the picture. Jesus is the one. He is the only lens that we can see God through. It's nothing else. He is the way. He said it. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God except through me. Through me. A lens to God. The perfect lens. The lens without spots and blemish. The perfect example of how we should be. And so I believe, I really, like, I was like, how, you know, we can, we can, we can allow the Spirit to transform our mind um, and that, that's Romans 12 too, and, and I loved it. Actually, um, it got mentioned in the prayer meeting this morning. We can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we renew our mind? How do we renew our thought patterns? Well, it's by actually looking at Jesus. He's the one that transforms us by His Spirit. Not just by, because I think, for many of us, God is out there. It's like, it's like I can't relate to Him. He's, like, he's out there. But actually, when we relate to Jesus, when we look at Jesus, we actually relate to God because He was God. He humbled Himself. He took on the, the form of a servant. He, he really became nothing. He humiliated Himself for our good. I mean, even that, like someone who would humili humiliate Himself, and even this morning, just going, that actually, we need to be humiliated for Him. Are we prepared to be humiliated for God. But it's because Jesus is the perfect lens. He is the perfect example. So, I, I, like, you know, we sometimes, we get so inward, and, and, and we've got to be careful here, because I don't want us to become navel gazers and looking at our, our issues so intently that we, we miss what Jesus wants to do. Because sometimes we can be so inwardly, inwardly focused that we know outwardly good. We're so concerned about our own issues that we, we don't, we, we have no value for the king and the kingdom. And so we get stuck. We say, no man, I struggle in this and I struggle in that. And that's always going to be my issue. Can I be honest? Um, you know, Martin Luther, we all know who Martin Luther was. And he also, I was reading a story about him. He struggled with this thing of understanding who God was. There was a point in his life as a young, in, in, in seminary school, I mean, and as he was learning, where he really struggled with his, his view of God. And you know what the solution of his teacher was for him? He said, listen, can, I, can you just get involved? <laughs> just get involved. Like, go and start, start something where, you, where, you, where you're looking after the poor. It was, it was just, get, don't, don't get focused on your own issues here right now. Just get involved serving God. It was quite an interesting um, spin on it. I was like, yo, that, that was a man who was really struggling with what many of us struggle with, and someone who's one of the fathers in faith in a sense, and, and broke open new ground. And, and he also, as a young man, struggled in his view and understanding of God. And he just got busy serving and building and going, you know what, it's not about me and my issue. I'm just going to serve Jesus. 
And in that, as he just found Jesus, and he just, it, it, almost like the transformation happened as he just got focused on Jesus. And, and really, we look at how Jesus did things. It transforms us. And so I, it, it feels like it's super, super simple, really. And, and I believe it is. Sometimes we overcomplicate things. We go, like, I, I just can't see God any other way. And, and I really believe it starts with us recognizing it, repenting, and then praying and being accountable, walking in accountable relationships with guys. I mean, I've spent a lot of time with many of the young men in the church, and some of them have grown up with dads who've been incredibly abusive and, and absent. And so the way that they relate to God and even the way they relate to me, interestingly enough, has been skewed through that perception of their father. Or maybe uh, even for the, some of the young ladies as well, where, where they grew up in a situation where they had a very domineering father, or a very controlling father, maybe even a, an abusive or even a distant father. The way they relate to their husbands is so often skewed through that lens. And I believe that Jesus wants to re-hone that lens into how it should be. And he can do it supernaturally, but often, sometimes it also takes a little bit of discipline on our behalf to discipline our thinking, to discipline our actions, and just to stay surrendered to Him. And so, I mean, even just in our own lives with, with Nix and I, there's ways that she was raised and ways that I was raised very differently. We, we've been married 21 years now, and we come out of very different families. But even recently, we've had to deal with these things. It's, it's, been, it's been a constant, not a constant, but it's like we, we have these moments when they flare up, because often we think we've dealt with it, you know, I thought I thought I dealt with it. and it flares up again. How many of us like agree with that? I thought I dealt with that issue, and it just suddenly it surfaces and said again. I'm like, oh man, is this thing still here, kind of thing? But you know what? What I do, and because she's my, we get together, we pray, and we we stand together, and we trust God to set to 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 reshape that lens because it's a process. Sometimes it is a process. And so why why do we need these lenses cleared, and so that actually we can get on with the job? of not only serving Jesus and loving Him, but serving one another. So that when, like I said, this, this lens affects this lens. The way we are and the way we relate to Him is the way we relate to one another. And so often we've seen that when, when these little issues creep up. And it's actually because we, we, we expect people to respond to us because that's how we're expecting God to respond to us. And Jesus wants to do a new work in our hearts. And so... Maybe this word is just for one person here this morning. Then it's worth it. Because Jesus is interested in you. And he wants you to see him clearly as he is. And our Father in heaven wants you to see him for who he is, who he truly is. Yes, lots of different attributes. And I haven't really gone into that too much because, I mean, that is. We have to look at the attributes of God and the, his generosity and his grace and his mercy and his love and his discipline and his hand and all these things we could look at and I could show it through the scripture but I, I really wanted I really felt this morning that God wanted to shift some of our lenses and maybe just change so maybe just where we're sitting can we close our eyes just take a moment just as we just before we before I lead us in prayer just to close your eyes just think about what I've shared and even in your own say like maybe just even pray a prayer quickly like God have like have I do I relate to you differently is there something in the way I see you that is skiff that you want to make right today? Let's just take a moment. 
Um, I had a picture in the prayer meeting this morning, and um, what I kept seeing was if we wear a watch every single day, when you forget to put that watch on, you go about your day, but somehow you feel naked, and it's irrational because we're not naked. But just that one thing that's always there, not being there, makes you suddenly feel naked. And, um, and this whole, this, what Chad's been preaching, it's that we can feel like that sometimes when he puts his finger on one thing um, and he wants to strip us of that thing. It's like we suddenly feel naked. But the reality is that we are still fully clothed. He's the one that clothes us. So the picture I had was, you know, you feel naked, <laughs> your watch is missing, but you look down and you're still fully clothed. And that is what Jesus does. He fully clothes us. And um, we're so resistant to these things being take, taken off us because we're used to them being there. My watch is always on my arm. So that fighting, like uh, the abandonment thing, that's, that's one that I've had to fight over the years, being left all alone. So used to that fight of making sure that I'm not abandoned of, and resting, like maybe wrestling with Chad because I don't want to feel abandoned. So if something he does makes me feel abandoned. And I wrestle him for it so desperately. But it's not my battle to fight because I'm not naked. I'm not abandoned, you know. My husband does love me. It's okay that I left the watch at home. It's okay that I don't have the watch. You look down and there he is. Jesus is still clothing me so beautifully, still coming to clothe me. And so the, the courage this morning that's needed is to, you know, as, as something is touched on, is to actually let it go and let him be the one that's clothing us, not that thing we've held on to. So I'd love for us, you know, to, to start, in a sense, to respond to Jesus this morning. And I, I mean, I know some of us might go home and, we're going to be processing, 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 and thinking through and going, yeah, because I, I, I believe that we do do that. We, we need to do that when, when we go home, because if you just forget about what I shared this morning, really, it was a, a waste of time being here, and it's, that's never the heart. Like, why do we come? Why do we sit here? And